so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. Amen. Good morning guys. How are we? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Hey, at least somebody knows who he is. Who is the Lord? He's my shepherd. And you know, we're just as a way of a recap, we've been the last few weeks spending time on rest and we're going to continue. And these kids are doing amazing looking at that food. We'll get to it, kids. We'll get to it, please trust me. But that word, the Lord is my shepherd. I was just, as the kids were sharing, I was just reading this thing and it says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's my best friend. He's my best friend. And that's a Hebrew word. The Greek word for love is agape. And agape has two things. It says argo which means lead like a shepherd. And then it says peo, which means to rest. They're the two things that we've been spending the last bunch of weeks. This is our foundation for the year. In a couple of weeks after Mother's Day, maybe on Mother's Day, we're going to get to a couple more. We're going to look at love and identity and start to build on those. And we're not going to stop resting. We're going to rest in this thing called love. But I just wanted to recap for those of you who haven't been around. We talked about the Lord is my shepherd and who David was. And yet David was originally a shepherd and he wasn't really loved by his family and he got sent away, but he became a king. And King David wrote this psalm and it's not some lovely fairy psalm. It's a gritty psalm because he'd been through some stuff. And so he was a king, he was a warrior, he was a shepherd and he had difficult situations where God had delivered him. You've only got to think of Goliath and he was, he's there, but God took him through all of that. And he opened his line with, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, we've all got some form of shepherd in our lives. And if it's not the Lord, it can be, it can be things at work. It can be other people who have influence on our life and they lead us. And they don't tend to lead us in the right way. We need the Lord who is our shepherd, who guides and leads us. See, we were made by God. And we were made for God. We were made for worship. I love the fact that Henry got this morning and said, we've just got to proclaim the name of Jesus. Now, sometimes we go, oh, Lord, I've got this song and I feel so weak. But, you know, when we lift up the name of Jesus, Jesus comes. He is the victory. He is the victory and he gives us the victory. So we need to live that. The Lord is our shepherd. So it's either him leading us or it's someone else leading us. And David continues and he says, I like nothing. And I love that one in there. And some of the answers here is that he doesn't always give us what we want. But he always gives us what we need. You know, there's been times in my life when I've gone, I want to do this. And the Lord said, I want you to do that. Because that is the thing you need, not what you want. So we worked, we've worked through over the last few weeks over Psalm 23. And we've gone through verses 1 to 4. And it was lovely, wasn't it? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, he makes me lie down in a green pasture. He leads me by the fields. And it was lovely. And I, you know, if I was writing that psalm, I'd stop right there. I go, the Lord, I'm in this calm, cool place. Now, Lord, project me out of all my problems. Take me over to the other side because I don't want to walk through that stuff. But last week we realized and we, we found out we have to walk through some stuff. But the good thing is, and I think some of these guys said it, he doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. He's with us the whole, the whole way through. And they talked about the rod and staff. And we, we saw him, the rod is there. The staff is guiding the sheep. And in, in the... In the biblical times, they didn't come up from behind. They led the sheep. They had the crook. And then they had that rod. It beat off the enemy. I'm thankful that God's got a big rod and he protects me. 
You know, in the middle of the stuff, when we're walking through the valley, we need some good stuff. We need Jesus, the Lord. As our shepherd, we have direction and we have guidance. And when we allow him to lead, we will not fear. It says, I will not fear evil. You know, evil, the enemy, the devil, whatever we want to call him, is not, it's not a battle of good and evil. It's not God and the devil. The devil's a created being. It's between Michael and him. We don't have to fear evil. Why? Because Jesus has overcome evil. So, we come to this verse. This verse 5. We're getting there. We're going to do one more next week. Verse 5 says this. You become my delicious feast. I'm reading out the Passion Translation. Because it says, you become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink until my heart overflows. All I can drink until my heart overflows. We lack nothing. There's this whole pouring out. You know, and it says there in, in 23.5, you prepare a table. And table is in other, other versions referred to as the banqueting table. And it wasn't a small table like this. It was a king's table that would reach right the way down this whole room. And there'd be seats on it. But Jesus says today it's an intimate table. It's a table where you can come and rest with the Father and you can look in his eyes and Jesus can speak to you in this place. The table he has prepared to for us. Not to extract us from a broken, bust up world. You see, the thing about the table is it says these things. It's right in the middle of the battle. It's right in the middle of our enemies. It's not out there. And that's my psalm. I go, Lord, my shepherd, lead me along the green paths. Now extricate me and take me out and put me in heaven. But God says, in the middle of whatever you're going through, I am there and I'm setting this table for you. Tap that so we don't have a run. There you go. But here's a few facts about this table. I want to read you some facts that come straight out of Psalm 23.5. Who's the host of the, the banquet? God is. God is your host. And he's saying to you, come and join me at this place. It was a well-planned and prepared feast. You know, we put this food on. This is morning tea. These guys aren't going to eat it all. This is part of morning tea today because it was just the Lord said, just put it out. It would be like that. And if you imagine that going all the way down, kind of couldn't afford that, but that's okay. But, you know, it's like, but God said, this is the banqueting table. Just imagine that. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, his dad said, hey, look at my kids down there. Go set out. Let's prepare a banqueting table. This is what it's going to be like, a celebration. It's well prepared. It says you prepare a table. And the word there in, Greek, in Hebrew is shulshan. Can't even spell that. But it actually means set the table. So, you know, when we have dinner around and we invite people around, we set the table, put it all out. And there's all the place settings. We're setting the table. This is a table for two. It's not done in secret. This, this is not a table that we have a hidden little feast. It's not a McDonald's which fills you up for 10 seconds and then you drive out the driveway and you're feeling hungry again. This is something that sustains you through the battle. It's done in public. It's in front of the enemies. You know, when, when I've walked through some stuff with Pam and we've been in the face of enemies' attack, God's just taken us out there and says, chill. I'm giving you a table right front seat. Your enemy can't touch you, but they can see you. And the other thing is it's on a battlefield. You know, we all go through battles. It, this table represents a place of protection. The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. He sets a table in the middle of my enemies. We have a good God. We have to start from that premise, don't we? God is good. And if God is good, he's not going to put us a table where our enemies can give us a bashing. It's right there. It's a place of protection. It's a place of provision. I thank you, Jesus, for our provision that we're going to eat soon. But it's like, it's also a place of his presence. It says, the oil, the oil overflowed. It wasn't he anointed my head with oil. It didn't just anoint there. There was enough to give out. It overflowed to go to the community, to go to 2582. He's going to give us enough to spread around. Why does he want to do these things? Because God wants to welcome us. He's a good dad. And he says, welcome into my fellowship. It says this in Psalm 511 in the message. You are welcome. You welcome us with open arms when we run for cover to you. Let the party last all night. Stand God over our celebration. Hey, how about that? God is standing over our celebrations. He also says this in Job 36, 16. Who knows? Job went through some stuff. You know, he went through some tough stuff. His family deserted him. Everyone deserted him. And he stood with him. And he says this. He is wooing you from the jaws of distress to a spacious place free from restriction. To comfort of the, to the comfort of your table laden with choice food. Jesus wants to bring you in. He's wooing you. He's wooing the people out there. You know, you've heard me say, Romans 8.19 says, the people are standing on tippy toes for the children of God. It's us, the children of God, that are going to woo people to his table. So it's a place of that. It's a place for our grace and our rest. And it's for a place where God gets his glory. Because it's about Jesus. None of this is about us. It's all about Jesus. And God also wants to show the world his goodness. Now, we're walking around going, oh, you know, I've got all this tough stuff. And people go, why would I go to church? Because you're like, you're always down the dumps. But it says here, in Psalm 31, 19, your goodness is so great. You have stored up great blessings for those who honor you. You have done so much for those who come to you for protection. Blessing them before a watching world. When we come to God, when we come to our faithful God, our, our daddy, he protects us and the world can't touch us. So God is welcoming us into this place. But you know, this table of food here, it's beautiful. You know, I, just, I was just thinking about this and I've been watching some stuff and just thought, you know, this is an amazing table. Hey, do you like this, kids? It's beautiful, isn't it? You just imagine sort of... Now, I'm going to tell you this. You've got to listen for the sound. You hear that? It's beautiful. It's fizzy water. Because in heaven, there's going to be fizzy water. I just love fizzy water. I mean, just imagine that this is, you know, like, you know you're sitting at the table and I'm sitting here. And here's the king. I'm looking in the eyes of Jesus. Look at that. I am looking in the eyes of Jesus. Hey, buddy. And, I'm, and God says, hey, do you want a, a glass of cool water? Because this table was set up in the middle of a battlefield in a, in a country that was hot and sticky. And I'd go like, wow, Jesus. God, I, I love you. you know, would, you like a, would you like a glass, God? Would you like a glass of fizzy water? And he said, thank you. He said, he said, but I am the water. You know, I am the living water. But I'll take some of your water, Keith. But we have this beautiful place. And we can ask, just have a drink of water. Is that good water? That's good water. Very fizzy. I like it extra fizzy. But it's like, you know, this table is set out with this choice of food. And Dad says, come, come and eat. You know, he says, hey. Mmm. So my cup, mmm. Oh, grapes are good. 
He said, you know, I anoint you with oil and it overflows and the food is there available. Anybody here can't eat fruit? You go in the allergies, you see? I'm a caring pastor. <laughs> you like some grapes? This is your morning tea, guys. Why do you, why don't you, can you help me with that, love? Let me just pass that around. They can just, uh, but it's just like, so while they're having morning tea and while they're quiet, we'll keep going. But it's this place of rest. I want to rest. You know, I'm not, I'm, I like fine dining. And I'm married to a, a beautiful wife who also loves to spend time, not over a Macca's five-minute meal, but sit there and, and sit with friends and dine and eat and just enjoy it. But this is an amazing table. It's a personal chance to rest with Jesus. Come and rest with him. It's all about our grace. But you see, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are today. We sang that song, Jesus has a victory. You know, you could be in the middle of persecution, middle of difficulties. There could be a diagnosis of, you know, horrible cancer diagnosis. We went to see our friend on Friday and she's just going to go through some horrible treatment. But you know what? We sat and we dined with her and she said, but Jesus is my king and it doesn't matter what happens because I win. We need to know that. You know, no matter what your family strife is, and you know, we can choose our friends, but God says you can't choose your family, eh? and sometimes there's family strife. But God says, I'm going to prepare a table for you in the middle of your enemies, in the middle of your enemies. I've got this table for you. It is such a table of rest, and it's a very personal table. It's a table for two. So now I love that fact. But how do we, you know, we sometimes have this table laid out and we, we have all these things that distract us from this table. We don't come and spend time. And I know when I don't spend time sitting with my dad, I get dry, I get thirsty, and the food can be there, but I can't. And some of, one of the reasons I don't do that is because oh, I'm so busy, you know. I've got to prepare a sermon on Sunday and I've got to go to this meeting because Dan's got to tell me I've got to go to a meeting. I've got to go to that meeting and this and that and that. Whoa, and I'm too busy. And I'm too busy. We need to step it back. We've been talking about rest. We can distract ourselves. We can distract ourselves. The other one is this is about all in. This is about are you all in with Jesus? Because if you're 100% in, then you're in. But if you just want the, the quick selfie with, hey, look, this God. Get me in there. And then you, then you whack it out on whatever platforms you're on I'm not on that many I'm you know 63 so I'm on pops platforms my kids got us on all sorts of you know Instagram and it's out there you know here's me with the king I'm with the king Jesus doesn't want you to come and visit his table he wants you to come and inhabit his table and his him to inhabit you in that table you know that's the truth of the matter it we can't be too busy you see the enemy will tell you you're too busy to rest because what do we know about the enemy? What do we know about the devil? He is the father of lies. And he will lie to you and say, you're too busy. You better do that thing. You better get on with that. Look, Keith, you didn't visit that. You did. Man, you failed. But the enemy's a liar. The enemy's a liar. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We're going to talk about that. But you know, we get interrupted all the time. So Pam and I were just... 27th of uh, November last year, we got a phone call. We we're on our way to Sydney, and uh, we got a phone call inviting us to come here. And we we were heading off on a break. We were heading off on this cruise, and we got on that cruise with friends, and it was a, it was a great time. But we we agreed as couples to have our own time, 
And there was this, this time we just went down. Pam and I started talking about the blessing of coming here. We were excited. And we were talking in our room on our balcony. And we said, hey, it's, dinner, it's, it's lunchtime. It's 12 o'clock. Let's go down and have a quiet lunch. And, and so we, we went down to lunch. And we sat at the table like this. It wasn't quite as much food. And there's just Pam and I. And who likes those times with people that are special in your life, hey? I don't get enough of them. But we were continuing this intimate discussion about about Pam and I coming here. And it was so exciting. And then out the corner of my eye, I, I see the waiter coming across. And I've got to tell you, this, this dining room waiter service was bigger than this place. And out the corner of my eye, and it was empty. There was tables everywhere. And there's this waiter coming across, and he's got this Filipino couple. And they're coming across, and I'm going, oh, yeah, they're just heading over there. And all of a sudden, he went, dunk, dunk. <laughs> I went, do what now? Excuse me? I'm like, I'm having a conversation with my wife. And of course, you've got to turn around and you've got to be Christian. How you going? My name's Keith. How you going? And then these guys just started to engage us. Oh, where are you from? What do you do for a living? And I said, oh, we're pastors. And, uh, yeah. and that was it. You know, well, we're, we're coming from Catholics. We're Canberra. And we had this amazing discussion about faith. And we learned all about them. They were retired public servants and they loved Jesus. And it was beautiful. But it kind of distracted. But they weren't our enemies. But you know, the enemy loves to come to your table and stop you resting at dad's table. He loves it. He loves it. In, our, in, in the word, it says this in 1 Peter 5, 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Because the enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The enemy prowls around the table... He prowls around this table looking for someone to devour. <laughs> but guess what? God's got a history with lions, eh? Daniel, he's got a history. Daniel was in the lion's den and what happened? God shut the lion's mouth. But the problem is there are some lions and some lies that the enemy uses to stop us coming to this intimate table. You know, one of them is, let's have a little look at a few of them. There's the lie of deception. The enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy. He comes to deceive you. And you can be sitting at this table. And it might be that you've been going through a tough time in your marriage. I've been married for 42 years in June. I love Pam. I've known her since she was 16. I'd like to say it's been 42 years of amazing waking up. Pam does every day, but hey. You know, she goes, oh man, I married the best man. But no, there was strife and there were struggles. And you know, it's in those times of strife and struggle, the enemy can come and whisper, you know, see that table over there? That's a better table. That table over there, you know that work colleague you have? He listens to you. She listens to you. If you were over at that table with her or with him, that'd be better for you because... Because your partner, your wife, da, 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 nag, nag, nag. If you start hearing you're at, you should be at another table, the enemy has just sat down and disturbed your rest with your papa. Don't let it happen. You can be certain that the enemy is sitting at your table. John 10.10 10 says this. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they would have life and life to the full. God's sitting at your table. You get life to the full. You get cool water. You get amazing food. Amazing food. You get the richness of him. But the enemy wants to get you there. He wants to put you at another table. He wants to get you deceived that actually the grass 
is greener on the other side. Comparison of relationships. You know, when Pam and I came in 99, we were youth with a mission and we'd done our discipleship training school. And I hate to admit that we were closer to divorce than we'd ever been in our lives. Man, I don't know what was wrong with Pam because they had a pro I'd never had the problems before I came from the UK. We got on all right. I got saved. And, and Pam thought the same. We went to our leader and said, we're going back to the UK. They said, why? I said, because we didn't have these problems back there. He was graceful enough to say, your problems are geographic. They'll follow you. Deal with them. And it was a lie that we were better off with our friends back in the UK because God had called us here. And if God is for us, who can be against us? You see, there's all these comparisons. You know, that business is doing better. I'm going to quit my business and go and join them. And the enemy just, and within YCBC, there's some amazing businesses. And God is doing stuff in them. But we, this, this thing about comparison, looking at the other table. See, the problem with the grass always being greener on the other side is it needs mowing. It still needs mowing wherever it is. So you may as well mow it in your own paddock and sort yourself out. We need to be planted at this table with Jesus. Jesus comes to give us life and life to the full. James 4, 7 says, Then submit yourself, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. The devil only has authority where we choose to give him authority in our lives. He's not coming to my table on your bike. Go. Resist him. Don't give in to deception. The second thing is like, you're never going to get out of this. You're always doomed. Life is, oh, you ever hung around people? Oh, how are you? I, I talked to a guy the other week. I said, how are you? Oh, mate, you know, if you, oh, if you only knew the issues, oh, man, I don't know how I'm surviving. I don't know how I'm going to get through tomorrow. It's like, oh, it's been so hard. I don't even think I'll make it. And he was a believer, and I went, do you realize what you've just spoken into the atmosphere? Do you realize what you have just said? I don't think I'll, I'll make it. Man, that's just, that's a curse on yourself. Stop it. I said, where do you get that thinking? And he, we started talking, and it was stinking thinking, as Pam always tells me when I go. She says, Keith, do you need to go for a walk to the cross? We won't be able to do that when we move. We're not taking the cross with us. But that's her way of saying, hey, that's stinking thinking, Keith. Stop it. This thinking of doom and gloom is not from the good shepherd. It's not from the good shepherd. Amen. If you hear that and you're struggling to rest and you're like tossing and turning and it's like, oh, I'm done for, then you're not having God sit at your table. The enemy has gone over. I'm off camera. I know that. but it's, Sorry, guys at home. The enemy has brought up and sat down and is sitting at your table saying, you're right, Keith, you ain't going to get through. Because he's the father of lies and he likes to feed those lies. There's been times where I'm going, I'm not going to make this. And God comes and he says, you will make it. Because it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me. God's in the valley with us. Yeah. It's okay. In other words, God says, you're going to make it. You're going to get through. It might look impenetrable, but you're going to get through, and we're going to get through it together. You see, back in, that's how he got the Israelites out of Egypt. He didn't build a bridge. He parted the sea. He parted the waves. You see, it's, it's just, Psalm 77 verse 19 says, Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. 
You know, there's a song we sing, you know, that miracle work. It says sometimes, I know you're working even though I can't see it. Maybe we can't see God in our path, but he is there working all the time. He's working his way through that. See, if God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.31 says this. So what does all this mean? Referring to the previous stuff. If God has determined to stand with us, then tell me who could ever stand against us? Continues in 32. God has provided his love by giving his greatest treasure. God gave Jesus for us. He stretched out his arms and he still stretches his arms out every day. And he says, it is finished. We're going to get through this together. You're not doomed. You're not done for. He freely offered a sacrifice of his son. Lie number three, that the enemy likes to come and you know, stop you resting because it's hard. I wake up at night when these things are going on. You know, and the, the enemy's sitting there and I'm, going, I'm worthless. I grew up being told by my dad that my sister was the academic one. I'd never amount to much. I'd never get past, you know, maybe I'd leave school at 14. You wouldn't be there. You know, and I, that did some stuff in my spirit as a young man. But the scripture, you know, I, I came a Christian and said, well, I've got to be humble. I've got to be humble. You know, maybe that was true. Maybe I'm only destined for this little bit. But you know, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. So I'll say that again. Humility is not thinking about less of yourself, but thinking about yourself less. When Pam tells me to go up the cross and says, I've got stinking thinking, it's because I'm thinking about me. Poor old Keith. Get over it. It says, move on. You see, thinking less of yourself is actually false humility. It's called pride. Pride says, you know, oh, woe is me. I don't know if any of you have watched that thing with Uriah Heep, Charles Dickens. You know, oh, I'm just a poor man. It's false humility. God wants to know that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. It tells us, Psalm 137, you're amazingly created in the womb. You know, but this thing, my dad saying, you're not good as your sister. Or maybe your spouse has walked away. Or maybe the parents left house when you were young. Or the right man or woman you've longed for has married someone else. It looks like, you, you know, someone else has got all the gifts. And the enemy loves to come in and go, yeah, yeah, you're pretty worthless. You know, Keith, you used to feel me. Keith, you, you know, you really do suck. You're really pretty rubbish. You see, the enemy tried to convince me and he tries to convince a lot of people you're not enough. We are enough because God is enough. And if he's in us and he's for us, who can be against us? This stuff is crippling. It's debilitating. It's actually suffocating. And I'll tell you what, it doesn't come from the good shepherd. It doesn't come from the one who says, you know, the Lord is my best friend. He walks with me. It didn't say that. You know, this lie isn't a reflection of, of true humility. It's a club that beats you up daily, feeling worthless. The enemy loves to feed those lies. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your identity. He wants to kill your passion for Jesus. He wants to destroy relationships. They're the things he loves to do. But Jesus put it all on the line for each one of us. It says this in John 10, 10 to 11. Again, the thief comes only to steal, to kill and destroy. I have come to that you may have life and life to the full. Then verse 11 follows it up with this amazing thing. I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus lays it down every day on the line. He lays down his life because you are valuable. 
You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Each one of you. You want to say that to yourself this morning. You know what? The Bible tells me I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You see, God doesn't create junk. He didn't go, oh, yes, sir, look at that. They're all good, but that one over there, oh, that, was, that should have gone in the reject bucket. God did not create junk. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. One more lie. I've got two more to go. The lie of me against the world. You see, all that junk I got fed by my, my father, and you know what? God restored all of that, and I, I know I have the best dad in the world, and I know now that my earthly father gave me what he could with what he had because I discovered the circumstances he'd walked through. But I only dealt with that once I discovered that I have a perfect dad. Each one of us has a perfect dad. It's our heavenly dad. We may not have the best one. You might have had the best dad in the world. But Papa God is still better. So the lie is me against the world, you know? If you believe this lie, it goes something like this in your head. The world's against me. Everybody hates me. You know, my, the people at work hate me. The people at home hate me. Even my church family hate me. The pastor certainly hates me because he didn't say goodbye to me. Oh boy, he hates me. You know, that is fear. That is false evidence appearing real. It is a lie from the pit of hell. You know, it's a fear-based lie. It's this mistrust. And because I grew up the way I did, I, I kind of, I was boxing gloves on. When Pam met me, I used to do a bit of boxing. And about a week after she started going out with me, I turned up with one tooth missing. That didn't impress a girlfriend, I'm telling you. I was 16 at the time. I was missing a tooth. But I had to fight the world. Maybe you don't use the word hate. Maybe hate is, oh, that's a strong emotion, Keith. Maybe it goes like this. I don't have any friends. I don't have any friends. All my friends do things without me. They don't include me. No one invites me anywhere. They had this church thing and I never got an invite. Nobody likes me. You know the truth? The truth I've discovered is that maybe there are some people who don't like Keith. And that's okay. But it's not everybody. It's not everybody in the world who hates me or doesn't like me. You see, not everybody's against me. But because I was hurt, I had to defend myself. And often we, we have fight. We have flight. We run away from situations so we tried to run away and go back to the UK but when that didn't work I come out fighting and I often came out fighting around those who love me like my wife like my kids I come out like this but we sang this morning I know that Lord put that on my heart as we during that worship that some of you need to stop fighting some of you actually just need to stop fighting because God is fighting for you Exodus 14 14 says this in the NIV the Lord will fight for you you only need to be still. You need to be still. You need to stop fighting. And 2 Chronicles 20.17 says, You will not have to fight the battle. Take up your position. Stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow. The Lord will be with you. The Lord will be with you. Sometimes we just have to enjoy the table we need to rest at the table we need to let the lord feed us with his truth his word you know god didn't place he didn't place a, a bible on the empty table as an instruction manual and say there you are boys and girls get on with it this is not an instruction manual it's the living word of god and it comes out of a relationship 
with the guy who's sitting over there, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he gave us enough food. He gave us enough food to share. And we're going to share all this stuff here. The kids have had their portion, but we're going to share it. You see, there's all sorts of scriptures that, that talk about the fact that we don't have, to, it's not us against the world. It's a lie. And the last one I want to talk about is there's no way out. The lie that the enemy, the enemy loves to feed these at your table. You can't rest because, you know, everybody hates me. Nobody loves me. I've got, I should be at that table over there with, you know, with that other person or I should be doing that other job. I'm, I've got this spirit of dissatisfaction. I'm sitting at the table and, and the king can't speak because the enemy's whispering going, you may as well check out, buddy. It's all over. It's all done. It's all finished. It's a lie that there's no way out. You know, the ultimate lie. Age appropriate, but the ultimate lie for me was that I would not be on this planet much longer back in 1996. That was the ultimate lie. All those lies fed into that one. You may as well check out now. Go to the cash register and go. It combines all these lies. The enemy wants to convince you there is nowhere to go. Your problems, you're alone. You may as well give up. You may as well get out. You may as well depart. And back in 2012, this stuff here became a reality to me because I was facing, or we were facing an issue of, we had $400 left in a bank account. We had mortgage payments coming. We'd looked after Daniel for over a year. We had no money. We had nothing and everything was falling apart. And I lay on the paddock and I cried out to God. I said, it's all done. I started to speak this out. I said, there is no way out, God. There is no way out. Here I am again. Here I am again. There's no way out. And God just came and he said, you know, Keith, that Exodus 14, you don't have to fight anymore. Just, just move aside and see what I can do. And in a week, he transformed everything. He turned circumstances. Sometimes, as it progresses, it's been longer. You know, if God shows up in a week, that was amazing. Maybe next time it's going to be longer. Why? Because he's building character. He's more interested in Keith's character than charisma. He's more interested. Am I going to trust God when it all looks, you know, and even the world are telling me I should go back to the UK like some pastors once did? Oh, yeah, yeah, your furniture's on, on the way, but you've lost your house, you've lost your job, you may as well go back to the UK. But I knew that God had said stay. And on that paddock, on that day, God transformed it and said, stand, stand, don't believe in the lies. Now, the enemy came to me on that hillside before Jesus walked into the situation. He said three things to me. He said, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill your family. And I'm going to destroy your ministry. Guess what? We're still standing. Because Jesus came in and said, that's a lie. He, he literally climbed over the table and pulled me closer to him and said, Keith, don't listen to that lie. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. There are tough times. You know, it's not easy. But there's a song we've been listening to this week and it says, you know, I'm surrounded. I may appear that I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. See, God surrounds us. The enemy wants you to believe you're doomed. The spirit of God's interceding with you and for you. God wants to do that. Romans 8, 26, 27 says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray, but the Spirit intercedes for us with wordless groans. And who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people. If you're going through a major battle, whatever it is, the Holy Spirit is interceding for you. Jesus is praying for you. He's going, Dad, look at that situation. We don't have to worry. So in concluding this stuff, he said, how do we defeat the enemy? When the enemy tells you you're not smart enough 
or you're not strong enough, or you don't have the right background, or you haven't got the right qualifications. Now, what am I going to do with that? You're not pretty enough. You don't matter enough. Look up. On your table, look up and lock eyes with the king. The king of kings. Because he has a twinkle in his eye for each one of you. He locks eyes with you. He says, I love you. I never leave you or forsake you. Just lock eyes with him and hear him say these words. Because we're all children of God. He say this, son, daughter, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else but at this table with you. I have a massive table, but this is an individual, intimate relationship I desire with you. Let me into your life. And my encouragement this morning, I believe the Lord saying, let me in. Are you 100% in? There are things, and as we deal with love in the coming weeks, there are things that are going to go because love is the primary factor that God came for us. His words are life. John 6.68 was talking about, you know, People were leaving Jesus and they're all going away and Jesus turns to the disciples and he says, are you going to ship out? Are you going to leave me? And Peter answered him, Lord, to whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have a manual, but it's out of relationship that this manual comes alive. Otherwise, it's a book of dead words. I can know all the stuff in here, but if it's not in here for Keith, it's not worth having. It's not worth having. When his voice thunders from heaven when we're in trouble God has a thunderous voice Psalm 68 33 to him who rides across the highest heavens the ancient heavens who thunders with a mighty voice that voice drives out the lie of the enemy when the enemy's here the voice of God drives it out and he said you've got no place at my table enemy depart this is me and the king this is you and the king so how do we do that where do we go? Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing, perfect will. Yeah. Pleasing will. You know, once did a skip and wild and it's like we talked about it with food. He said, you know, my wife made this. He said, you know, taste and see that the Lord is good. Mmm. I won't eat too much, I get stopped up. Come and rest at the table of the king. Rest there. Remember that the shepherd of the universe, the God of the God of the universe wants to be your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. All of those lies are things trying to shepherd you into the places of darkness. But when Jesus comes and he comes to to correct you, as we heard on the kids' video, sometimes he comes to correct you, but he doesn't beat you with a wooden club. He gets alongside you, and he's done it. Hey, Keith, that thing you're doing, that's not good for you, buddy. That's got to go. Or that thing there, or that person there, that's, that's got to stop. Because Romans 8.1 says, the case is closed. I told you I'm an ex-policeman. The case is closed. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. None. Zero. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. So remember this. The God of the universe wants to be with you. The Lord is good, right? Regardless of where we're in our journey. I'm going to finish up. Say, wherever we are, the Lord is on that journey with us. He wants us to take his final destination. Take this table. Multiply it by this, this room. Keep going through Yas, through 2582 across Australia. Because the greatest banquet of all is in Isaiah 25, 6-9. The Lord Almighty, 
will prepare a feast of the finest food for all the peoples. All the peoples. Not just YCBC. Sorry, guys. He's coming back for his kids. The banquets of the best meats and the finest wines. And on this mountain, God will destroy the shroud that enfolds the people, the sheet that covers the nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all the faces. And he will remove the disgrace of his people from the earth. And in that day they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. Yes, this is the Lord. We trusted in him. So let's rejoice and be glad in our salvation. Let's, let's, re, let's rejoice and be glad in our salvation. Can we pray? Amen. Let's pray. Mm. Mm. I just want to make an invitation as we start to pray. The invitation is this, that Maybe as we're praying and as we're worshipping this last song, you want to do business with God. Maybe you need to come and sit at this chair. I don't know. But God wants you to come to the table of intimacy. He wants you to rest at his table of intimacy. He wants you to know this morning that this table is always available. And it's always full of food and beautiful produce. Because it's his Holy Spirit that wants you to rest in. And the other thing is, don't give the enemy a place at your table. Don't let him rest, disturb your rest. So if you've got a live deception going on this morning, if you think you're doomed, if you think you're worthless, you've said things that said the enemy is, the world's against me and I'm useless and I can't do that. There's no way out. Then the Lord wants you to look up. Look up and lock eyes with the King. So Papa, I'll pray right now. I pray that Lord, for those who are battling whatever they're battling this morning, that they'd just be able to look up and lock eyes with the King and hear those words. I love you. I love you. I created you. And I don't make junk. And I don't make worthless items because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. So Lord, we thank you for your word, that your word is life and it's breath and it's fresh food, Lord. That it is the bread of life. Thank you that you are the bread of life. You are the living water. So I pray this morning, Lord, that you would just invade, not just the end of this meeting, but our, our family gathering after this, Lord, where all sorts of things are going to happen. But we still lift your name up, Jesus, because you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and you're our precious dad. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.